0: Welcome to the Fantasy Rewind Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dylan Stoll, and I'm joined as always by my friend, Michael Wifford. Hello. So today, we are going to be going farther with the Sandman
1: here, going into episode nine of season one of the Sandman, titled... Collectors, which reminds me, I believe we have a convention we need to go to in Florida, don't we?
0: Oh, yeah. Wait,
1: was that Georgia? It it was Georgia, Georgia, yeah.
0: Georgia, but yes, collectors. Yeah. Hmm. So, uh diving in here, we're gonna get into episode nine of season one, Collectors, with real
1: quick though, Dylan. What would be your collector's name?
0: Oh, that's actually a good idea. Oh man. I I have
1: no idea.
0: <laughs> I'm blanking. What about you?
1: Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I feel like it'd have to be something just like I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It would certainly not be Funland oh, God, or such a bad Nimrod. Name. <laughs> The good doctor, I thought, was like, or was that her name? The good I doctor think that was her name, yeah. I was like, that's actually kind of like a clever name, kind of, and I don't know. I thought that was kind of the coolest or the most inspired out of the other ones. The bookie Night man stalker and some <laughs> other, yeah,
0: so original. Anyway, yes. Uh, anyways, we're getting off on a tangent here. Um, so we're gonna dive in here, we're talking about episode nine of the Sandman season one, titled Collectors. And this episode here was very interesting, in my opinion. Um, But before we start diving into that, we're going to give out the reminders here like we always do. Um, If you'd like to follow along with the show, you can do that on Twitter, at Fantasy Rewind. You can follow us on Instagram, at Fantasy Rewind Pod. Or if you want to send us an email, you can do that with FantasyRewindPod at gmail.com. Also quick little update here this is our episode 50 which is a really cool like milestone to hit here um not super significant in any way but it is the golden anniversary number there if you look at 50th anniversary stuff um so after we get through the discussion here on sandman episode nine collectors we're gonna do a little bit of reminiscing about what's led us up to this point and some of the the things we've enjoyed the most and give a little uh Insight into all of that. So without... Yeah,
1: kind of like our golden episode episode. Yes, (laughs) our
0: golden episode. Um, Without farther delay, Mike, what were your
1: overall thoughts on episode nine, Collectors? So I think this episode and episode 10 and episode eight really just flowed really well together. Mm -hmm. It was very hard to actually stop in between them. Uh, It was almost... I pretty much just watched it like all the way through and was taking notes, and I think this this episode, if I were to just cut it out from that, which is very hard to do, I would say it was really good in kind of humanizing the Corinthian a little bit. Um, I mean, as much as you can, but it was really good in doing that, and I think in the adaptation for the show versus the comic, it really got his point and his goals and his dream, if you will, across a lot better, in my opinion, uh, than it did in the comic, the show did. So I think it did a really nice job of that. Is it better than episode five or episode six? No, (laughs) I think those are going to just take the cake, really. But it was good. What were your thoughts?
0: Yeah, so I thought it was a really interesting uh, take on a serial killer convention by calling it a serial convention. I thought that was fun. Uh, Getting to spend more time with the Corinthian is always enjoyable. And apparently many people feel that way. (laughs) Uh, With all the people giving him uh, a little up-down look around at this convention area.
1: I didn't know you were going to be so hot.
0: (laughs) Um, But also I felt like getting to see like into the mind of some of these other collectors was very interesting. And I, I completely agree with what you said. About episode 8, 9, and 10 just being one giant continuous story there. Flowing really nicely from one to the other. And it was really hard to stop and watch just one episode. And for me, I didn't. I watched 8, 9, 10 back to back to back. So that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, agree with you also about episode 5 and 6 still being, in my opinion, also the pinnacle of season 1 so far. And spoiler alert it remains that way (laughs) um but episode nine here was really cool um
1: i would really not like to be jet though (laughs) i know but you know what at the end of all this it's okay
0: yes that is true that is true
1: um so why don't we jump in here and start talking about the actual episode so yeah i'll kind of kick us off here and just kind of briefly go through you know kind of bullet points of what happened in the episode, we'll just stop, you know, and discuss uh, as we've done with the rest of this series. So when we cue in here, you have Rose talking with Lita discussing dreams, her having these weird dreams. And I like this shot because Lita was kind of out of focus in the foreground. And I almost didn't think she was going to talk to Rose at all. And I wasn't sure how this was going to play out. And then uh, she starts talking like, yeah, I've been having the same, or weird dreams too, and in fact, I'm pregnant. And it's just like, oh my gosh, girl, how are you pregnant? <laughs> so yeah, my dead husband. Yeah, my dead husband got me, got pregnant, me pregnant in dreams. dreams. And then Rose is like, oh yeah, I actually did that because I'm the vortex. That's my baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it was funny because my uh, wife was watching and she hasn't watched like a good chunk of the episodes. And she's like, How's she doing this? I was like, Oh, because she's a vortex. She's like, Well, how does that make her? <laughs> I just had to stop it and then like kind of explain a little bit of what's happened so far. But she was still like, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but really, what comes out of this, the important piece here is that Rose is weakening the realms. And in this episode, we really start to see no, the that. barrier between the realms. Yes, the barrier between the realms. Sorry. Uh, and so then we kind of flip over into the dreaming here. And I I like this scene here with Lucian. Mm-hmm. Because I think it makes everything that happens here on out between her and Morpheus so satisfying.
0: Yeah, that got to a really good <laughs> In point. In a lot of
1: ways. Mm-hmm. So Lucian's backing away from being involved. She's like, you know, Matthew, you got to take everything to dream now. I am just a librarian. I am, I've been reminded of my place, and she's not happy about this, but she's just like, this is kind of her showing her displeasure. Like, you don't want me involved? Fine, I'll just be a librarian. And um, we see later on, like, Morpheus starts kind of changing his tune a little bit on that. And I think, you know how much I really liked the resolution in episode five and how much we got to see Morpheus change. I think in episode 10, when we get there, that's that. That's probably my third favorite episode. I'm, you know, calling it now (laughs) because just saying that. Uh, But (laughs) Lucian is mad at Morpheus, and uh, because he wants to do all this stuff on his own, and that's how he used to be. Mm. Like everything he did, he did it all. It was all on him. He wants it that same way again. It's kind of what we were talking about before. His sense of duty, right? This is my realm. I'm responsible for it. Everything's bad because of me everything's good because of me, but it's all on me. And it was a, that was good to have that kind of put out in the open. All right. Now we have, then we go to an interaction between Corinthian and Jed, the famous ice cream eating scene that I've seen so many pictures of. Um, I thought this was a humanizing scene for the Corinthian, like not to the point where you're just like, oh no, I don't like want anything bad to happen to the Corinthian. I want him stick around and be good like no he's still a bad person he does terrible things he's a nightmare and he's not trying to change and become a dream well not in the sense that we would want him to anyway he's when he's talking with jed and they're talking he's like you know what do you run away a lot jed jed's like yeah he's like well that's what i'm doing right now i'm running away you get the sense like he's really just trying to find a way to Avert his inevitable fate, really. Right, he's kind of like scraping and clawing
0: for every free moment he can get.
1: Yeah, because he wants that freedom, and so he, you do kind of make that connection a little bit with Jed, and like, oh wow, yeah, like he's, he's sort of just been trapped in this situation where he didn't want to be, and he's just trying, he's just free now, and he doesn't want to go back to it, or, you know, have anything bad happen about it. Does that make him <laughs> good? No, no, definitely not. Not at all. But you you can start to empathize, um, excuse me, empathize with him a little bit, at least. I thought the name thing was interesting, too. Yeah. And Jed even brings and that up later.
0: I thought that was a very interesting way to say it, because it's not true at all. <laughs> I mean, it is a little true if you think about it, where you're like, oh, you only say your name, or you only call people their name when they're in trouble. What are you going to do, Jed? You're like, get back here, Jed. But you also say things like, oh, you know, oh, it's nice to see you, Jed. Like, it's, you know, you also bring it up when you're doing introductions. You do it, like, when you're in, um, like, positive situations as well as negatives. Mm. But there are situations where, like, you see someone and you're like, Jed, it's been forever, man. Nice to see you. You know, but it's more of, like, that exclamation point in a conversation. I feel like when you throw in someone's name, it makes it, like, more personal and it makes it stand out. To like the differentiate itself from the rest of the conversation you're having, you're like this is important.
1: I'm using your actual name. Correct, correct. I agree completely with you, Dylan. And I think it was interesting that the Corinthian had that perspective because I think it shows sort of how he views things in such a negative connotation. But it's
0: also probably you know? his experience as a nightmare. Like they. Oh yeah. yeah, people yeah. say his They're name. Like, out oh my out god, of fear the Corinthian. No.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so I think he is sharing that a little bit. And I I like that they called back to it or Jed brought it up later mm. on. But I wish maybe someone else had sort of said the opposite of that. you Right. Know? Like kind of like set him a little bit straight in it. Sort of to counterbalance it a little bit, like to show the balance of things. Like, you know, I guess that, that that's just maybe I'm, you know, making a, a mountain out of an anthill or whatever. But anyway, we'll keep going on here. At Lida. Uh, we come back to Lyda, and she wants to live in the dreaming with Hector. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> you've gone a little bit crazy yeah. there. All right. Yeah. So we, we were talking about last episode, right, where she was having this gradual sort of like farther and farther into the dream, getting sucked into it. And now we like there's an admission and there's fully acceptability. Like, I want to do this. And don't worry, you can visit me anytime because you can go into the dream like you did last night like yeah see that conversation that rose had with Lida
0: there i was so surprised at like how rose left it like she didn't try to like talk her out of it she is almost like she's like okay that's great Lida, i gotta go get my brother now and i feel like that might have been a little little bit but her rose's like acceptance that Lida wanted to do this almost was a little weird
1: uh, but then we flip to the Royal Empire Hotel. What a great scene. Them showing up and the music playing and it. It was a, it was a pretty cool scene. And I just love Jed's face. He's just so excited about all of this. Yeah. <laughs> and we're just sitting there like, oh, Jed, this ain't good. Buddy. Jed's like, it beats is not getting good. eaten by a
0: rat in a basement. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so then they kind of... Um, go in and you know corinthians checking into the serial convention and we finally get the names not their real legal names but their civilian names but their serial names if you will collector names uh of some of the people who were in the cafe starting with funland who is the gentleman who likes people to be young (laughs) um which kind of puts his name in you know a lot of context there that's a creepy context Uh, Yes, and, he, and Jed kind of goes up to him, because he, he's kind of a friendly face, and Jed seems like a very personable kid, mm-hmm. not too worried about talking to others, and you've kind of seen that, which is very interesting compared to, you know, living in fear. I guess, like, he feels free, and so he's just, oh, everyone's cool, so I can talk with everyone, mm-hmm. and yeah, Funland is getting a little uh, invested in Jed, and yeah, he's put off when Corinthian comes over and says they're under his, or he's under his protection, so... We—that's a little foreshadowing, though, of what will transpire later on. Um, Then we have Corinthian calling Rose to, you know, bring her over to the hotel and snare her in his trap, if you will. And uh, Gilbert says that he will accompany her. Were you at all surprised by the? Gilbert coming along? No, not really. Um, I
0: think that from what we've seen of him, the little we've seen of Gilbert up to this point here, he's mysterious. You know, he's kind of like kept to himself a little bit, but he also seems like he's willing to just like go and be there for the people that he considers to be his friends too, and like he was gonna, he's going to Hale's um, performance there when. He ran into Rose outside, then he befriended Rose, and so, like, him coming to support her wasn't too
1: surprising for me. Um, So then we have kind of a flip to the dreaming there. There had been tremors. Morpheus was unsure of uh, what was happening, but he runs into Merv. Merv's like, oh, I was just looking for Lucian. (laughs) And he's like, well, you can tell me. and I will fix it. Merv's kind of like, uh, okay, boss, whatever you say. You want me to fix this? Like... (laughs) Uh, and so Morpheus kind of goes to see Lucian, and he doesn't seem to understand why Lucian's upset, uh, but he does ask her for help, and she says it's all because of the vortex, um, and that kind of lays the trap or the sort of you know theme I guess of the rep- rest of the episode where it's everyone's kind of trying to get Rose yeah. right.
0: It's like a rose free for all. And She
1: is, yeah, and they're And she's kind of the center of what continues to happen. You know what, though? In this next part, we had a brief conversation between Unity and um, Rose. And I'm not going to lie. There was episode 10. I teared up a little bit during a part of it. Hmm. Almost teared up during this part of it, too, when she's talking to, you know, her lawyer and says that she wants to bring Jed and... Uh, I, this may not be this exact part, but I do know she does talk to her lawyer about bringing Jed and Rose over right. and having a family. And he's like, what, your age? And she's like, I will finally have a family. And it was just so... It it hit what I wanted. <laughs> like, it hit some notes in me. I was just like, oh gosh, yes. You deserve a life after having slept your life away. Yeah. You know? So uh, then we flip back to the Ciro Convention. Yeah. Uh, With Jed's giant plate of chicken fingers.
0: (laughs) That was like the perfect transition because Rose is like, I don't remember much about him. All I remember is he likes chicken fingers. Then you see him eating a
1: big plate of chicken fingers. (laughs) Yeah. And he's just grinning it up. Um, And, uh, you know, Corinthian's like, you got to stay in the room. I'm going to go down and do this. I'll be back. And Jed's like, fine, I'll stay here. I won't open it for anybody but you. But Jed's obviously not one to stay stuck in a no. place when he just had to do. He's that. like
0: I've already been trapped in a place for too long. I am going to explore the world now that I'm out in it.
1: Yeah, which makes perfect sense, honestly. I I did think it was really interesting just like how like he he loved going around and sneaking around and like peeking at all of them and stuff. Like that was very interesting to me, but I guess in his like past situation, he probably had to do that anytime he wanted any kind of interaction with Uh, uncle barnaby yeah and uh the wife there really so we have gilbert um and rose show up and they are looking for jed and they just you know kind of the classic classic classic, like oh keep missing each other yeah exactly i like that they didn't really show what rose explored but they showed what gilbert was noticing Mm. And how it slowly clicked into Gilbert what was the serial he's convention? Like, this is was.
0: no serial convention. This is a serial killer convention.
1: Mm hmm. And just, and when he um, eventually leaves after, after locking you know, eyes with Trinity. Yeah. Like, I love, because he, you know, he goes to, into each of these rooms and he's hearing these conversations about how you gotta hold on to the hostages and make them believe there's hope and get their money. Oh, God tells me to kill people, and uh, whatever the second one was, I forget. Oh, women, women are just as good as yeah. killing people as men. Yeah, uh, and kind of those three different aspects, right? Where it was like money, um, equality, and religion mm-hmm. uh, for reason to do what they do, basically. And um, I thought that was really interesting that they had those three there. Uh, before he locked eyes with the corinthian like we said and then he disappears after leaving a message to rose that he was going to go home which i i was did at the time did you think he was going back to the house nope so uh
0: i pretty much figured out um towards the beginning of this episode when when gilbert was staying close to rose i was like i wonder if he's fiddler's green and so, when it was revealed that he was indeed, or is indeed, Fiddler's Green, I was not surprised at all. And then, like, for me, like, when he had that locked eyes moment with Corinthian, that was, like, confirmed. And, you know, instantly right there, I knew he was going back to the Dreaming. And when we see him later on in this episode, I, again, it was meant to be, like, a, ooh, shocker, but I
1: was, I was not surprised. Well, that's fair. I was kind of, when you first said like, oh, I don't, there's no way he could be that trusting or nice. And I was like, oh, but he is. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like when you learn a little bit more about the
0: Fiddler's Green um, in the next episode a little bit, or is it even in this episode? Mm. I forget exactly which one.
1: No, you learn more in the yeah, next, next episode. episode. You
0: see he is
1: just like a nice old man. Um, we I did kind of skip a part at the CERO convention, though. With the boogeyman. Oh, yes. (laughs) So, and I thought that was important to kind of uh, just mention, like, obviously, you know, the Corinthians behavior has inspired other people to be like him. Correct. But it's also inspired people to be fangirling. Yeah. Really. Fanboying in this case. And this gentleman showed up and impersonated one of the collectors. And they caught wind of this and decided to uh, do something about it. So they go to collect his items up close, and Jed sees the Corinthian doing what he does. And, uh, yeah, that sort of leads...
0: Surprisingly, <laughs> in this part, Corinthian didn't actually eat the eyeballs or, like, use his eyes to eat the eyeballs either. Like, he kind of, like, kept it a little bit low-key on uh, well, think he because done, he had an audience,
1: yeah. Yeah, I think that's why. So we have you know jed's like oh i got to get away and rose um you know is going up to the room that she had and sees jed and then they you know they re- have a reunite they have a moment of re- uh, being reunited well but. you forget here that rose sees jed with funland yes i know i i wanted to get to the part with um Morpheus apologizing to Lucian because really so much happened like right at the end here. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Uh, but yes, you're right. Fun. Jed runs into Funland. Funland's like, hey, what's going on? What's happening, buddy? And he's like, oh my gosh, they were hurting this guy. Like, ah. Uh. And he's like, oh, don't worry. I'll help you. Come <laughs> me to my room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, thankfully, they didn't get as far with that as they did in the uh, comics, which they didn't get too much farther, really. But, um, it, you know, basically Rose and uh, Jed reunite, but then Funland's like, no, he's my friend to play with. He's mine, and I'm taking him. And Rose is like, no, he's my brother. I had him first, and like, then Jed elbows him, and uh, he's like, I'm gonna, you hurt me now, I'm gonna hurt you. And um, then Corinthian kills Funland. So, you know, there was that, and that was kind of the end of Funland, but. We had um, when Morpheus goes back to the dreaming and he's talking with Lucian and he almost really apologizes to her like, hey, like, you know, (laughs) he didn't say I'm sorry, but he really just he basically said I'm sorry
0: as well as he could without admitting or without saying the words itself, because like he admitted to her that, you know, Hey, when I was gone, like, somebody had to take care of this, and
1: you stepped up. You know, you did more than just what a librarian would do. Yeah. And I think that was really good. And, like, um, Fiddler's Green, and, you know, then she says, well, you know, I heard that she, uh, Rose has pulled in, you know, Fiddler's Green and Corinthian. How do you know? Well, Fiddler's Green told me, and Fiddler Green, Fiddler's Green comes in, and it's... It's Gilbert. Gilbert. <laughs> and, um... Yeah, so that was kind of the sort of nice reveal there at the end and kind of a nice way to end this episode, I think.
0: Yeah, I again, like I thought this episode was really good at just continuing the story we were on here. While not like going too crazy with a lot of stuff, it still was progressing the plot. It was introducing a couple new elements of like showing exactly the danger the Corinthian poses by being free by inspiring all these other serial killers and everything. Uh, but I thought all in all, again, it was more of a progression episode than like a standout episode,
1: at least to me. That's fine because you need this in order for the next episode. For to sure. Really pay off. Agreed. So I think we've kind of put a nice little bow on episode nine. Why don't we go ahead and for, you know, we talked about episode 50. We're going to do our favorite moments from some of the things we've covered and, We've covered a few different um, movies, topics, and books across the year. Mostly, Wheel of Time, obviously, because that's uh, what our podcast the started origins off. Origins of as, our so.
0: podcast, yeah.
1: Yes, and we still do love the Wheel of Time series. Um, More so, books than show, but still, uh, still you know, appreciate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, some of our favorite things, some of our favorite, you know, topics or. Uh, things that we've covered this year, actually, really all the topics we've covered uh, real time movie series on Amazon Prime, or sorry, TV, TV series, TV yes. series, um, the Lord of the Rings movie trilogy, Peter Jackson trilogy, yep, <laughs> yes, the original Lord of the Rings animated movie,
0: yeah, so the Lord of the Rings yeah. animated movie um, that was. Kind of the blend of fellowship
1: and two towers all in one there. Yeah, we'll have to do the Hobbit um, trilogy some point this year or maybe <laughs> next, next year, maybe. year. Yeah, you know, depending depending on how our schedule sort of goes here. But yeah, we'll have to we'll have to hit that trilogy and then hit the animated movie at least the animated movies. Better. Yes, very true. <laughs> very
0: um, so we also talked about Sandman. Obviously, uh, we're talking mm-hmm. House of the Dragon as well yeah. and then we also had our interview with Alyssa Markins who was the author behind Perilous Star, which Mike and I also both read here yeah so uh jumping yeah. into just kind of looking back at like some of our favorite moments from each year uh, what are some of the things that like stood out to you Mike from like our coverage of the Amazon Prime series
1: Wheel of time I think for me um, one of the big things was that episode we had with Sean hmm after we finished watching the series because I think, you know, or I don't think, I know, that watching the series, like, as somebody who read the books and who has loved those books so much and has read them multiple times, it was a little jarring and a little... Um, it it kind of took me out of... Like, it sort of made me a little upset, you know, to be honest with you, how the se- how the show ended and how much it veered away from the plot of the Wheel of Time series. Um, And so that episode with Sean was really great because it's sort of like, okay, it recentered me like this person who I respect and who I, who I think has very, you know, at least somewhat similar tastes in you know, me uh, in media, as me has enjoyed this series, and is now open to reading the books. And I think back to, like the Lord of the Rings, right, when we we watched the first movie before we read the books. And how that opened up, at Everything. least my world, into fantasy reading and fantasy lore. And, like, I then, I watched, I think I watched the Harry Potter movies before I read the books, too. Mm. And, you know, I, I, even now, like, I would say that I love, at least in the Harry Potter case, I love the books a lot more than I love the movies. Yeah, I agree with that. And I'm, and I think that the Wheel of Time series is, such a great, the Amazon series is such a great opportunity for people to get introduced into the world and then to explore the books, hopefully, after and uh, kind of make their own opinions on it. And people love the show, and that's great. I, you know what, if you love it, then that is fantastic. Um, so I think that for me, it was really a kind of a clicking moment like, you know what, maybe it didn't end as well as I wanted it to or as close to the plot as I wanted to, but. The fact that it's getting people excited about this series and that maybe we'll see more in the future um it's just a good thing so i think that was a good tipping point for me um now i just want to add one other little thing (laughs) when we were initially covering the wheel time fantasy series uh amazon series sorry um when we were talking about the locations and i was just I was just thinking um, about all those episodes where we talked about how beautiful everything looked and how great the actors did, and I think that's something that still sticks with me. Like those conversations we had about the locations, the like the sets, and the actors doing their jobs just were fabulous. But what about you, Dylan? Um, what were some of your favorite parts from our coverage of the Wheel of Time series? So, some of my favorite parts, um, thinking back on the Wheel of Time.
0: Were when we talked about um, the song and the singing, the Weep from Anatharion song there that mm. stood out to me as a series highlight for season one of the Wheel of Time, um, as well as the Blood Snow at the start of episode seven for Wheel of Time, where you see uh, you see Mantier um, out there like in her uh, full on you know maiden of the spear get up and then giving birth to the child that will become Rand. Um, Mm -hmm. Then, those were two moments that really stood out to me. Um, I think something else that did stand out to me, thinking more, like, holistically, kind of like you were bringing up, looking at the fandom and, like, what it does for bringing in new people into that Wheel of Time fandom there, is just thinking about, also, um, how something like that can be so divisive, but also something like that can also be so good for the fandom at the same time. Like it's really is like that double edged sword where you have the people who have a history in this series and may have high expectations for it. um, Feeling like they're being let down where you have new people coming in and feeling like they want to check out this fandom more. And so it really is an example of how, it's a different experience for every person involved with it and whether you're a person who's who enjoys the book series and enjoys the tv series or someone who just enjoys the books and doesn't enjoy the tv series or vice versa where you enjoy the tv series and not the books like everyone has their own different experience there but i think that the toxicity that it did kind of reveal as far as like the vitriol within the fandom was a a place that I didn't really like, and I don't really want to revisit. So I'm hoping that as we move into other things here with Wheel of Time and other series as well, just that that same venom that people are bringing is a little bit more subdued, and maybe just people respect each other for their different viewpoints as far as their own experiences.
1: Yeah, and I think, I mean... it's really hard because you want to share what you think about a show right right? and or a book and um, you know sometimes people don't agree with your opinion and I think it it all depends on how you have the conversation you know I mean if I I am feeling a certain way I usually talk to people around me about it or people who I know who are interested in those same things and kind of what did you think about this and it sort of it usually helps me to sort of see other sides of it and it 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 helps get my view from being super narrow to a, just a broader sense you know what i'm saying and i think that's really important for everyone to have um with all these series because it's something that people have loved for so mm-hmm. long you know uh the real time series this book series has been going on for a long time and has a lot of fans it was on the new york times bestseller list all of them i think um and then you have you know sandman also a beloved graphic novel comic series that's getting an adaptation and people are literally fighting with Neil Gaiman about yeah. it. <laughs> and it's just so interesting. Um, it, it shows people care, right? right? But I think we just need to take a step back and um, just be open to other people's opinions as long as they're shared in a respectful exactly, way. Yeah. And so one other thing I do want
0: to share that was another highlight for me from our coverage of Wheel of Time was, in preparation for watching the series last year, I started rereading the series again. And so it's always a pleasure getting in there and doing a reread. And I am almost done <laughs> with it, finally. I'm uh, wrapping up the Last Battle chapter of the final book right now. So have about an hour and a half left in that before that is done and five hours left in the audiobook total. So... Also, that's a really good really good thing to come out of it, yes. Um, so then after we got done with our Wheel of Time coverage, we shifted into the masterpiece that is Peter Jackson's extended cuts of the Lord of the Rings trilogy here. So, Mike, what were some of the things that like stood out to you re-watching the trilogy there?
1: How good it is. <laughs> you know sometimes it's just like you have so much nostalgia for something and you replay it or you redo it. And you're like, this isn't as good as I remember it. Or, you know, you may have some different feels about it. I think going back into it, like, yeah, we noticed some, some like little issues with it. Um, whether that be them all running or going to the black gate on horses. And then all of a sudden it flips to them <laughs> again, that their horses are gone. Uh, you know, little issues like that or CGI not looking the best, but oh, man, the music, the looking at the story differently, and thinking about the characters' progression throughout, and getting into some of these deeper themes that we, you know, wouldn't have thought about or talked about at the time. I just think it was such a great, um, great time revisiting that with you uh, because you're the one who actually introduced me to the first movie in the first place. So yeah, it was like uh, like they said in Sandman, everyone's just trying to find a way home, right? So kind of it was like it felt like coming home in a lot of ways. Um but yeah, what about you, Dylan? What were some of your um you know, your perspective on our coverage of that? Yeah, so my big takeaways from rewatching
0: the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings trilogy was again just how damn good it is. <laughs> just like thinking about it and how when I watched that as a child, like how influential it was because again, it's like the the source material that, like, set me out on the fantasy journey here. Like, I still read uh, The Hobbit before I watched Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. I still started, like, Chronicles of Narnia and Harry Potter um, before then as well. But Lord of the Rings, like, the the movies were so big in my early life there. And even now, like, to this day, obviously, we're doing a fantasy podcast. Um, but just, like, thinking about how well they hold up, like you said... Um, Also, just like, again, thinking about how these are these things that are almost like universally beloved amongst a lot of people here and how the appreciation for them, despite being 20 years old, has not changed at all, in my opinion, um, for like how much I enjoy the series or not series, enjoy the films there. It's it was just a joy to take the time to revisit that and like just revel in in it for for a little bit such a great word revel so after we got done with our lord of the rings movie coverage we shifted into another Uh, lord of the rings coverage the the animated animated movie movie for lord of the rings which it's such a fail oh my gosh (laughs) okay so what are some of the things that stood out to you for that one
1: Oh how thankful I was for the the trilogy. <laughs> it was it was bad. Um, I'm glad we did it because you know I don't think oh, I'll never do it again. But um, same, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like oh I watched it, cool. I'll never get that time back. Yeah. but it was neat to see some of the differences or similarities between uh, that animated movie versus the trilogy. Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you.
0: I think that if I could have that time back and never ever watch that again, I would have chose that, Um, but I will never watch that again. Um, I thought that for me, the thing that really stood out to me was more of the filming style um, than the story itself was how jarring it was to go from animation to part live action to having animation over live action all done very poorly and everything yeah um it reminded me of like if a high school attempted to put on a lord of the rings play and failed <laughs> um but in fact
1: it really just like well no they put it on the play it just wasn't very yeah good. that's what i meant by fail but um oh,
0: yeah. it really did drive home like how thankful i am that we have the peter jackson trilogy to go home to and we can just pretend that film doesn't exist anymore but um yeah, yeah definitely glad that there's other media for lord of the rings
1: other than that yeah as am i so uh, moving to that th- what do we go into next yes uh perilous star which i think was such a great opportunity for us um it was really cool you know we got in contact with Alyssa Markins and uh, or she reached out to us right and talked to us about reading her book and kind of you know talking with her and I think that was so cool because you know to have conversations with someone who's written a fantasy novel and to be able to um, just talk to the creator was such a neat process right I
0: completely agree like
1: Talking with Alyssa was a lot
0: of fun. You know, we got to hear kind of like her process behind stuff, and we got to have a little peek into the publishing side of things too, which was another interesting thing there. And just we got a lot of good information that I think we didn't know before <laughs> um, by talking yeah. to her. And while Mike and I both did read her book Perilous Star* here, like we haven't actually talked about the book itself yet on the podcast, uh, just because yeah. like, we thought it'd be maybe like a little inappropriate to be talking about her book with her just insofar as we would want to be like 100% honest with our opinions on it and didn't want it to be like colored by like or having the appearance of it being colored by we're talking with the author so of course we're gonna say good things here but just the experience of hanging out and uh talking with um the author of the book there Alyssa for a bit was very enjoyable and it just makes me want to have more people on to talk fantasy with. So that was my yeah. biggest takeaway from that part.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I have some ideas that I'm going to share with you, Dylan as well, but if you have any ideas about uh, any future episodes or series you'd like us to cover or content you'd like us to talk about, or if you'd like, hey, like I'd love to talk to these people about something that I'm passionate about. You know, We would be more than happy to... Kind of entertain some of those conversations. Just feel free to reach us on our socials at Fantasy Rewind Pod on Instagram and Fantasy Rewind Pod at gmail.com and at Fantasy Rewind on Twitter. Now, the last bit that we're going to kind of talk about, I think our favorite moments here from our current series that we're covering. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sandman and House of the Dragon. And I have to say for both of them, it's it really has been a fantasy feast um, in terms of just everything has been so good Um, even the things that have been like oh that's just okay or filler episode or whatever else it's just like it's so good everything has been so so good I I know I just keep saying that but like after not having you know fantasy like anything really fantasy television wise for the last few months and to have just such quality come out oh hallelujah yeah i'll just say like i completely agree
0: with those statements and for me the biggest part of it has been the quality of it like not just having these two great shows but the fact that we actually have quality fantasy television to talk about and appreciate and share with the the world here is just great definitely enjoyable um for me with the sandman particularly um the part that stints out the most to me is just getting more familiar with this property because again, like I was, I had not read the graphic novel prior to watching the series here. And as I was reading the graphic novel, as I was watching and everything, just like appreciating everything we got there. And well, I thought the graphic novels were okay. Um, I'm not like a gigantic fan of them yet. Um, I will say that I still really enjoyed the series a lot. I thought the series itself stands on its own. I mean, honestly, oh, yeah. you don't need to read the graphic novels to appreciate it, but it gives mm-hmm. you a better understanding. Um, but just seeing again, like, the quality, how well it's being done, like, the portrayals, the special effects, like, everything has been so great with the uh, Sandman series on Netflix here that.
1: I am definitely
0: happy that we're covering it because I'm definitely a fan of it.
1: Yeah. I think you can definitely see the impact of having Neil Gaiman For involved. sure. For sure. And I think it was only a good thing. And, and I would honestly, yeah. even though we're only into two episodes of House of the Dragon, I'd say the same thing. Like having, you know, George R, R. Martin involved in this process and with these shows, is only going to benefit them.
0: I will also say like for me, House of the Dragon a thing that stands out to me so far is just, again, having quality, awesome fantasy to watch, getting back to Westeros, getting back to that world mm-hmm. of Ice and Fire, and just diving back in there. It's so nostalgic, even though Game of Thrones mm-hmm. didn't act, didn't end that long ago. And even if it did end on a little bit of a controversial note, like it still feels amazing for me to get back into that world of Westeros and everything there, to get the Targaryen name, out and uh promoting the house of the dragon here is great i think having a finished novel even if it's kind of strangely written in fire and blood will help house of the dragon in the long run but it also is helping it in the short term because i thoroughly enjoyed fire and blood and so far i am definitely enjoying house of the dragon so definitely um liking where we are at currently with our fantasy coverage a fantasy feast oh, for yeah.
1: sure A fancy feast <laughs> for sure but yeah i'm excited for um lord of the rings and the continuation of these series kind of as we keep going well you mean lord of the rings rings of power sorry yes lord of the rings rings of power um yeah
0: yes definitely looking forward to covering that um at this point i uh definitely want to <laughs> talk about it more than i can right now because mike hasn't watched it yet i haven't watched it yet. and we'll be getting our breakdown and our reaction to this series here coming out to you guys very yeah. shortly but this week <laughs> yes looking forward to, to getting that done but all in all i think that has has been a pretty awesome experience just recording a podcast and getting 50
1: episodes out there it's uh yeah, and over 7,000 listens. Again, thank you so much to everybody who's listened and listened to us ramble and, you know, may been okay with some of the maybe the mistakes we've made or <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh whatever it happens to be. Like thanks for giving us a listen and um, you know. We appreciate those all of who, you. Yeah, for those of you who've reached out to us and talked to us and given us um feedback on our on the show. Thank you so much. And remember, you can too at our socials. We'll send you guys a sticker. We're they're beautiful. I love they're them. They're on my car right now. Um, <laughs> and one will be on the back of my car too once I get it washed. So.
0: Alright, with all of that being said, for the fiftieth time, this is two nerds signing off.
1: See ya. See ya.